The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Good evening, everybody. Um, I want to, on behalf of the community, welcome Rebecca Bradshaw once again. Um, Rebecca teaches a retreat here every February with Chaz DeCapua, who will be giving a talk next Friday. Um, Rebecca is the gui- one of the guiding teachers at Insight Meditation Society, one of our grandmother institutions. She's also um, the guiding teacher of Insight Meditation Center of Pioneer Valley in western Massachusetts. Um, and she's one of my favorite teachers, if I can say that. <laughs> uh, she also teaches in Spanish, retreats in Spanish, and um, focuses on uh, the heart and its relation to wisdom. Really happy to have you here, Rebecca. Well, you guys, Minnesota's not doing so well on uh, winter. (laughs) (laughs) My adopted state is doing better than my native state at winter. Came from Massachusetts. We got a couple feet on the ground at my house (laughs) of snow. but it's great to be here. But you might lose your, your you know, claim to fame. So you better start working on it. <laughs> Not next week, though, from what I understand. So. Um, so tonight, the title of the talk, I believe, was something like, Is Your Meditation a Line or a Circle? So you might wonder what I meant by that. Um, I'm going to say a few words about it to... Uh, bring into your meditation tonight, so, and then we'll talk about it more. So when I say is your meditation like a line, you can think of a line as there's a direction you're going, right? You're headed somewhere. There's a goal. Um, you might have, I mean, there's different kinds of lines, so you might just have this aspiration to awaken or to be more present or to be more relaxed. Or you might have like a little more of a goal like to stay with your breath or to work through an emotion, whatever. So, so line has that sense of we're going somewhere, right? Um, circle, then, so circle, that's the energy of uh, settling into wherever you are. So there's not the idea of fixing something or some kind of particular goal, but there's more the sense of savoring whatever experience is happening. So you can feel the difference, right? They're both, in your whole meditation practice, you're going to be working with both of those kinds of energies. The, the kind of more directional, aspirational, it's actually the more, um, the energy's higher with that. <laughs> and then you're going to be working with the, like, being here, being where you are, being in the moment, being with whatever's happening, not having the, any agenda. And so in the meditation tonight, just maybe you can just watch what, which energy predominates for you or just how that's playing out in your own practice and, and noticing how kind of the, the energy that you're leaning towards, whether it's more line or circle, and um, how that feels. Because we're going to be talking later about each one of those energies can have kind of a balanced form and it can have an unbalanced form. And uh, 
we're going to start to see for ourselves when we might be getting into an unbalanced form and how we can balance out those energies. So that, that's later. So tonight we're going to look more at um, line energy and circle energy and how that manifests in our practice and how we might balance it. So as I said, line energy has um, some sense of, of, of a goal, usually, or an aspiration or direction. It's often um, associated with yang energy. It's um, sometimes called more masculine energy, but I know I can get in lots of trouble there. Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not necessarily um, pegged to being a man. I have lots of uh, line energy, as my family will be sure to confirm sitting in the back there <laughs> they're smiling <laughs> so um it's more it but it is it's more um directive more um goal oriented more assertive um can have more determination and it tends to have a more activated nervous system that kind of um, line energy And then the circle energy, on the other hand, tends to be associated with more yin or more feminine. Um, Again, don't don't get mad at me. (laughs) Um, It's more like circling around to being right here, to um, connecting with um, what's really happening right now in our environment. So it has more of of a sense of receptivity, and more a sense of um, relaxation, the parasympathetic nervous system, the kind of the settled feeling. And we really need a mix of these two energies in our meditation practice. We need a mix in our lives, too. Um, But we often find that for many of us Westerners that we have a lot of line energy, that we have a lot of this this kind of very directive energy. Now, for some people, perhaps um, their culture, their family culture, their ethnicity um, may have more um, circle energy, but the dominant culture in this country is very much line. And we can't really understate how thoroughly indoctrinated we all are in that kind of energy. It just predominates in our culture, where where what seems to be most important Actually, in our culture, I would say that warped line energy predominance, like line energy taken to its extreme. And so you you notice it in the sense that, like, getting things done is predominant. Efficiency. um, Productivity. Right? And you always need the new iPhone that's the fastest one. I brought my iPad with me, and it's four years old, and I forgot my charger, and I was worried I wasn't going to be able to find a charger for it because, like, it's so ancient. <laughs> and what we, what's, if we don't leave this culture or we don't um, hang out in, in this culture with other cultures that are more circle-oriented, we, we can forget how much that orientation is actually... Um, just one way of being, and that there are other ways. It's good for us to try to remember this. This is going to be important. Um, 
I learned this so much when I went to Nicaragua when I was 22 after graduating from college. I worked a year and a half in Nicaragua teaching um, English. And um, you could say that the culture there is much more of a circle-oriented culture than a line-oriented culture. And um, what often happens in those situations when us Americans go there is we try to make the culture be more line-oriented and we wonder what's wrong with them. But um, I was curious, so I was just like, oh, well, what, what's happening here? And it would take, you know, if I had to do an errand, it would take all afternoon, and it wasn't efficient at all, and um, lots of lines. And um, like if a clerk was busy talking to her friend, she would finish talking to her friend before she took care of you. And, um, <laughs> and I, would, I really got into it. It, it. it was a little jarring at first, but I really learned to like just settle. And so I'd be in these lines, you know, and I learned how to be in a line, like be in a line, like not be focused on how the line was going to end or how I was going to get out of the line, but like, oh, you know, actually a line is a really intriguing place. There's people all around you. They're all so interesting. And um, so I really learned how to settle and um, really appreciate that kind of more circle culture. And then when I came back to the United States after that time, I was so jarred by the speed here and the efficiency. I remember landing in Miami airport and um, it, it literally, it was within about 15 or 20 minutes. I had gotten through customs, gotten my bags, gotten them on my next flight, and everything was all set, and I'm just sitting there going, kind of stunned um, by, by the speed. And that was in 1982. <laughs> so that was a long time ago. It seems like we keep heading that way, right? I keep wondering when, when, it, when it's going to... <laughs> like when how how much faster can we get um so that's that kind of line energy run out of um run out of um run out, run crazy here's a story i like about line energy in a different way this is by andre gide gide i think it's french so it's something like gide and he was uh, some kind of explorer. He said, my party had been pushing ahead at a fast pace for a number of days. And one morning when we were ready to set out, our native bears who carried the food and equipment were found sitting about without any preparations made for starting the day. Upon being questioned, they said quite simply that they had been traveling so fast in these last days that they had gotten ahead of their souls and they were going to stay quietly in camp for the day in order for their souls to catch up with them. So they came to complete stop. <laughs> they could recognize that it was too much line energy and they needed some circle energy just settling and staying right there I feel like um, the uh, avant-garde composer John Cage I often talk about him in talks I think that he was always trying to help um, um, folks get more like into kind of the circle energy. You know, he has that famous uh, famous concert called Four Minutes and 33 Seconds, which basically the whole concert is um, 
all the notes are silent. <laughs> so the whole concert's the guy standing at his piano, or what I think it is, there's a piano standing there. And, he, and the concert is like the rustling of the programs, the sneeze, the, the anticipation, the siren outside, the waiting. That's so circle energy, right? And sometimes people would hate him. <laughs> it's similar it's similar like you know going to another country and wanting them to be more lion energy people like couldn't tolerate it i heard that like he gave a concert in um boulder colorado once for all these buddhists and um it was like really slow there was it was two and a half hours and there was like long silences like four or five minutes in the middle and then there was this vague maybe something that changed behind and then there was something with these words from Henry David Thoreau faint images behind just very you know and um, it says here it says that they are, the, the drawings and images were very dim and hardly changed at all perhaps once every 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he said I thought it was an ideal piece for the Buddhist audience but they became absolutely furious and yelled at me and tried to get me to stop the performance <laughs> The next morning, I had a meeting with Choigan Trumpa, and he asked me to join the faculty of Naropa. <laughs> yeah, we, so I think we have to like develop um, a taste for circle energy because we're so used to lying, to going, 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 doing, going, and um, we're not so sure what to do with just sitting here being. Most of us, now not all of us, like I said, if your culture has more of that being energy, you're probably more comfortable with it. So, but let's not disline energy completely because it's actually very useful on our path and we do need it at different points in our path. And especially, for example, when we're starting out, we need to have kind of determination we need to have some sense of what we're doing and where we're going. And we need to have some, you know, like when you first start meditating, you sit down, your mind's just, it's like crazy, right? It's nuts. It's just all over the place thinking this and that and memories. And, and you have to have some sense of like, oh, bringing it back. You have to do something. Because if you don't do anything, <laughs> it, it's, um, well, things don't change a lot. That, that's the risk. If there's no line energy, as things might just kind of stay the same. You can get kind of stuck. So when we first start the practice, we need this like line energy to, um, to, to help us get the discipline and to have some aspiration, some direction. So sometimes it's like something motivates us to come to practice, right? It might be an election. Um, it might be <laughs> high, high blood pressure. It might be. Um, I know that uh, when I work with young people a lot, um, people in their 20s, a lot of the young men come after a breakup, after a difficult breakup. It's very common. So something motivates us, gets us out of our rut, and makes us like, oh, I, I, you know, I, I want to do something here. And that's good energy. That's helpful. But then it can become out of balance. That, that aspiration can become out of um, balance, and we have this excess um, of line energy. And so then it moves more into control. 
And then it might be like we approach meditation like a checklist, like, oh, did that moment, and did that moment, and like, <laughs> I remember a period when I practiced where I like checked off every breath. It was like, okay, how did I do that breath? Was that okay? Like, did I get anything there, right? Like, that's, that's too much line energy. One person, when we were having dinner tonight, we talked about this a little bit, and one um, meditator said, my meditation, she said that her meditation was more circle energy, now it used to be more line, and I said, well, what's, you know, what's changed? She said, my meditation was always like chugging, chugging, chugging towards the finish line. That's kind of, that's the line energy. It's like we're just, we're going, and we're going, and we're going, and we're going, and we're going. <laughs> this is a problem with too much line energy in our practice. It's like, you know, it's always somewhere else. It's always going to happen. You know, like happiness, it's out there. We just haven't figured out how to get there yet. And then there can be a sense of um, trying to control our experience, trying to subjugate our minds and our hearts, trying to get them to um, do what we want them to do. When it's really strong, um, this line energy can manifest as our own little inner fascist, which tries to like get us to subjugate us and get us to do, you know, follow the rules. <laughs> this is what you're supposed to do. This is how it's supposed to be. And um, and it's extreme. It can get brutal. No, we can get quite harsh with ourselves. I think almost everybody tries that what I just said. It's, you know, we try, most of us go that way at some point in our practice where we really try to um, control our experience, manipulate it, control it, dominate it. So this unbalanced line energy loves control. Doesn't like murkiness. Doesn't like not knowing. Likes clarity, control. And it can have this sense when it's unbalanced of pulling us out of presence because it's actually so focused on where we want to go and how we think it should be that we entirely miss how it is. So in this case, we might approach our practice um, like a fix-up project. This also dominates our culture, and I found a couple of funny examples I get a kick out of. There's this Tony Robbins guy. You guys have probably heard of him. I never knew him, but he's a self-help motivator, I think. He says, when you set a goal, you're committed to canny, constant, never-ending improvement. You've acknowledged the need that all beings have for constant, never-ending improvement. There is power in the pressure of dissatisfaction. This is the kind of pain you want in your life. <laughs> but, 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 but we have it in there, don't we? Like, you know, it's maybe not that strong, but this kind of hope that, that maybe practice will make us good enough. This one I like, too. This is the title of a book. It's called The Ten Natural Laws of Successful Time and Life Management. 
proven strategies for increased productivity and inner peace. (laughs) (laughs) It's a book. Isn't that that last line, proven strategies for increased productivity and inner peace? (laughs) We want it all, don't we? (laughs) Increased productivity and inner peace. (laughs) So there's a sense when we get this excessive line energy in our practice... um, and, and hope to kind of fix ourselves or, or, or we'll have this ideal of what a meditator should be like and then we'll try to get ourselves to be in this box of how it should be. And then when it doesn't live up to that, which it never does, um, then we kind of get frustrated and, and hate ourselves or beat ourselves up or, um, yeah, turn the anger on ourselves. I call that spiritual idealism, and it's a little... Um, it's related to line energy going too far. Because the truth is that, that, we, that this line energy, it, um, at a certain point we get frustrated because we see that it, it's, this trying to dominate the heart and mind doesn't, it's, it's, um, it's not going to work because life is too wild for that. It's too uncontrollable for that. A Dharma friend of mine, a Dharma teacher friend of mine says that um, for him his meditation has been a continually, continual lowering of his expectations. <laughs> it's, it's a good attitude. <laughs> you know, we start with such high hopes, right? <laughs> Obviously it's worth doing, so don't, don't, don't take me wrong, but... Um, hmm. I uh, recently heard a talk by Reggie Ray, a Tibetan teacher, and he was talking about his mother. And um, his mother died not too long ago, and his mother had, like, very light energy kind of person. Um, <coughs> apparently, uh, she smoked three packs of cigarettes a day, and he kept saying, Mom, you know, you're going to get lung cancer if you smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. And she's like, No, I won't. I can do anything. You know, she, she got lung cancer. But then he said, that, like, the last kind of coherent thing she said was I thought I was supposed to be perfect and I couldn't do it and he's like yeah she got it like that 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 was good that was that was, she got it so that like we're supposed to be perfect that's that's carrying the line energy too far and then we see that we can't do it and that's wisdom, that's good. Because then we start to consider this alternative of circle energy, of like, like really landing where we are and appreciating where we are. So the circle energy just takes us right back to here. Um, there isn't the idea of somewhere else that we have to get to that we're going to. It's very um, comfortable with messiness and comfortable with the unknown and very relational. It's very embedded. We're very embedded in our bodies, 
in our relationships, in our community. Line energy tends to, it doesn't have to, but it tends to kind of like skip over the embeddedness part. It's kind of like, what can I get and how can I get it? You know, it can be too much like that. And then the circle's like, oh. So the circle's like happiness isn't some future goal. It's right here. So very receptive. Now that can also become too unbalanced. So if the circle energy carried to um, its unbalanced extreme, it's too passive. It's couch potato. (laughs) It's, um, you know, maybe we're going around stuck, going around and around, too much circle energy, right? It's going around and around and around, and it's stuck, and there's no movement. Maybe there's a lack of energy. So that needs balancing, too. We'll get to that a little later. First, I want to talk about how do we bring in more circle energy. So let's say we have all this line energy, this this kind of um, trying to get something from our practice, too much line energy, kind of maybe controlling, maybe a little bit striving, maybe a little bit like that. So what we start to do is we start to eat. So we have this line, right? We start, you could say we start to curve the line. <laughs> Just curve it a little bit towards like what's happening? What's right here? Like what is, where am I? You know, what is this present experience? So you, you, you just curve it a little bit, right? And then if you curve a line a little bit, what happens? It turns into a circle. <laughs> so you can take that line and you can just start curving it right back to like now and here. Like what is my experience right now? More connection with the body. The body's really great for that landing. Look around. It's like land where we are and look around like what? Look around in the heart, the mind, the body, our relationships. <laughs> I was thinking about even with our loved ones, we can we can get so focused on how we want them to be. Um, or how we think they ought to be. <laughs> that we actually miss who they are it's the same kind of thing we can be kind of focused on how they should be and what we want them to do and you know our ideas of who they are and all of that that we actually don't see them and so circling energy is like to kind of clear that away and to actually look at who is in front of us it's often quite amazing shocking interesting enlivening you think you know somebody And then what you start to see is you know your ideas of them or your projections of what you want them to be. That's really quite um, beautiful. So it's that landing. So just like in our meditation, we can miss out on what's actually happening by what we want to be happening and kind of that directional energy. We can do that with the people that we love. We can do that with the environment. Like, what, we, what can we get out of this environment rather than, oh, what, what's my place embedded in this environment? I had this one retreat a few years ago where I, a big part of my practice was I got very, very curious 
about whether I could take one step without wishing to be anywhere else. Now, I know some of you are thinking, come on, Rebecca, that's not that hard. <laughs> right? Isn't that like your first retreat kind of practice, not 30 years later? Um, <clears throat> it's really hard. Like to go through an entire step, <laughs> being present. I'm talking about the slow Burmese-style step. <laughs> In Burmese-style, it's like you, you take really slow steps in that kind of practice. It'd be like, it was fascinating. I just watched my mind. It'd be these blips, right? Of It wouldn't even be like I'd go anywhere. It'd be like the energy. It's like that line energy would come out. It'd be like, isn't there somewhere I can go? <laughs> right? And then it'd be like, oh, just here. Try it sometime. Or, or one breath. One breath. One whole breath. It's great practice. And it, it really... Um, I just found it totally intriguing. Kept my attention. Here's how Thich Nhat Hanh describes it. He's talking about um, one of the three doors to liberation called aimlessness. There's nothing to do, nothing to realize, no program, no agenda. Does the rose have to do something? No. The purpose of the rose is to be a rose. Your purpose is to be yourself. You don't have to run anywhere to become someone else. You are wonderful just as you are. This teaching of the Buddha allows us to enjoy ourselves, the blue sky, and everything that is refreshing and healing in the present moment. Life is precious as it is. All the elements for your happiness are already here. There's no need to run, strive, search, or struggle. Just be. Just being in the moment in this place is the deepest practice of meditation. Most people cannot believe that just walking as though you have nowhere to go is enough. They think that striving and competing are normal and necessary. Try practicing aimlessness for just five minutes, and you will see how happy you are during those five minutes. To have happiness in this moment is a spirit of aimlessness. Otherwise, we will run in circles for the rest of our lives. Ray Bradbury said, life should be touched, not strangled. (laughs) You've got to relax, let it happen at times, and let others move forward with it. So again, he's talking balance, right? A couple of years ago, I read a book, um, and it described this period in um, Parisian history. I think it was around the 1850s where it was fashionable to take your pet turtle out for a walk. <laughs> no, this was serious. I, well, it was reported. It might have been fake news. But <laughs> <laughs> wow, why did I have to do that? <laughs> but anyway, I love this idea of taking your pet turtle out for a walk. Because... It has that spirit of aimlessness, right? You're not going to get very far. You're not going to go very far. 
How many of you would do okay with taking a pet turtle for a walk? <laughs> That's circle energy, right? You're not getting anywhere. At one, more, at one point, some of you know this, that um, at one point in my practice, my teacher uh, kind of prohibited me from, on a long retreat, from doing a whole lot of sitting and walking meditation. And um, so I didn't know what to do with myself because I was a good meditator and I knew how to do sitting and walking meditation. And, um, you know, looking back, I had a pretty good line energy around that. It was like I had it wrapped up and I was good at it and, you know, I knew what I was doing. And she, um, for various reasons, which I won't go into, she, she prescribed not very much of that. So in the end, I was on retreat and I was allowed to do one sitting period a day. And then the rest of the day, I had to figure out what to do with myself. And um, one of the things she said that I could do was useless gazing. <laughs> and useless gazing was I, would sit, I could sit at a window or I could sit outside with like a cup of tea and I could just gaze <laughs> uselessly. <laughs> it was hard practice at first. <laughs> you know, I, I really like resisted it. And um, now I do it often. <laughs> it really showed me how addicted I was to kind of lying energy and um, I really had to learn to be that was the only alternative with my time and it turned out to be one of the most beautiful retreats I ever did I went through about a 10 day period of hell of kind of like breaking my addiction to lying energy because I was just like I wanted to be productive you know, like sitting on a retreat, sitting and walking and sitting and walking. That's productive. You're doing something. You have something to show for yourself, right? Like that is underneath this line energy. And it was like I couldn't be, I wasn't allowed to be productive. I wasn't allowed to do anything that kind of I could show. You know, I wanted something to show for my efforts. And, um, and then after about 10 days of that kind of being really hard, Wow, it was so fantastic. Because I, I learned how to, I learned circle energy. I learned to just be. I think most of us need to bring a little of that back. We need to remember that. Because it's, it's getting more and more prescribed out of our culture. Trungpa Rinpoche, one of my favorite Tibetan teachers, says, We can actually sit on a cushion without any purpose, none whatsoever. It is outrageous. Nobody would ever think of doing that. We can't even think about it. It's unthinkable. It's terrible. We would be wasting our time. Give time a rest. Let it be wasted. Create virgin time, uncontaminated time, time that hasn't been hassled by aggression, passion, and speed. Let us create pure time. Sit and create pure time. On a recent retreat um, in January, I, I uh, had a retreat at Insight Meditation Society, and there were three. There are three duplexes, and I had one for myself. It was very lovely. So one day it snowed. And I thought, well, I felt like generous, so I um, decided to shovel the, the walkways, the three walkways. 
And so I did mine. I shoveled straight, you know, down from the walkway down to the parking lot. And then I stopped at the end. I was like, well, why should I shovel straight lines? So I did the next two houses, um, wavy lines. I did up to the walkways. I got some really good feedback. People really liked it. (laughs) One guy said to me, he said, I tried to get in the mind space of the person who shoveled that. (laughs) You know, I tend to have a lot of um, line energy, so for me that's like bringing in the circle energy. It's like, why do we have to go up the walkway straight? Maybe we can take our time and um, wind. Us Westerners always want the quickest and the fastest route. One time somebody said something to the Dalai Lama, like, what's the quickest way or the fastest way? And he's like, you guys always want the fastest route or the quickest way. He said, maybe perhaps a little change every decade is enough. That's circle energy, right? Perhaps it is. So, so line energy is kind of moving towards circle energy. You have to be willing to play. I think play is, a, is an element of circle energy. Line energy doesn't have time for play. <laughs> But we, we can start to be willing to play a little bit. And then another thing that helps a lot is, is the quality of metta, of loving kindness. Because metta really, this loving kindness practice that many of us also do in addition to the Vipassana practice, it's not really trying to go anywhere. Love doesn't try to go anywhere. Love, love goes right here. So again, it, it brings that... Um, that love, our loving kindness, brings the flavor of inclusivity, of intimacy with what is, with what's happening, whether it's a breath or the feeling in the knee or loneliness or joy or the taste of rice. Or so bringing in that, that kind of... Um, Kind energy. Kind energy helps the line energy to soften. On the other hand, what if we need, okay, let's say we're, we're a very relaxed type person. We don't have so much of that driven energy. Um, let's say we're, we're more laid back. And um, so how do we know that's out of balance, the more circle energy? Like I said, that can get out of balance. We can have a feeling of being stuck, too passive, not much movement. So maybe you feel like your meditation is kind of lackluster. It's kind of it's going around on the same old pattern, or it lacks freshness, or lacks energy. So what do we do then? Well, we have to find a way to break the circle open. So you find a way to do something kind of unexpected, different, um, something that, that energizes and creates room for movement. 
So sometimes people, when they feel their meditation, for example, is on a rut and kind of going around, they might do a retreat because the retreat kind of might kind of bring in some new energy and kind of open up the possibilities. <coughs> or reconnect with aspiration, like why we're doing this really. Discipline. Discipline can be helpful when you need more line energy and there's too much circle energy. Some um, of the more liberal students have commented to me that um, since the election, especially since inauguration, that they feel more energy in their practice, that, they're, that they've realized that there was a way that there was, they were complacent in their practice, which could be another manifestation perhaps of too much um, circle energy. I sometimes joke with chagrin these days that... Um, the election's been good for business. <laughs> so it's all about balance. So balancing circle energy, balancing line energy, seeing when we're off one way or the other and finding some way to rebalance. One of my students, um, last night I was, how? Seems like a long time ago, but last night I was in Massachusetts teaching an experienced students group. And um, one of my students, she was talking about how she would get up like in the morning, her alarm gets off. She's very pretty disciplined type person. She said, I get up, get my meditation posture and meditate right away. And she goes, a couple of mornings ago, she said the alarm went off and um, she said I was kind of tired. She goes, so I pushed the button on the timer for the meditation, and I curled up in bed with the, the covered blanket, and, you know, kind of curled in the blanket, and she said, and I meditated like that. And she said, I, I fell asleep a couple times and woke up again. And she said, and what I realized from that experience is that there had been a subtle striving energy in my practice that I didn't know was there. It was great. The, the, she learned so much by doing that, by laying in that kind of curled position. And, and um, you know, she, she had to break out of the pattern to be able to see that there was one. <laughs> You know, so she broke out of it, and then she saw, and now she realized now her practice is more balanced because she can see that striving energy from having um, gone to the other extreme. It's kind of like me and useless gazing. I had to go to the other extreme to really see what was going on. So, so we play with with um, these two energies and balancing them. There's more I could say, but I think I want to give you guys time for a couple of questions. Well, the last thing I will say, however, before we have time for questions is, when you go home tonight, perhaps you don't want to walk a straight path (laughs) from your car or the bus (laughs) to your house. (laughs) Perhaps you can wander from your car to your or the bus to your home and take some time 
to perhaps look at the stars or feel the cool breeze on your cheek. To really land here. It doesn't, it, I don't want to say that. What I was going to say is it doesn't take much time. <laughs> but that's already missing the mark, isn't it? It's completely missing the mark. See, we're so ingrained, right? I have to reassure you that it doesn't take too much time to reconnect with circle energy. But that's that's where the joy... Well, there's joy in line energy too, but there's a lot of joy and peace and circle energy, and most of us um, will enjoy uh, exploring that. So let's just sit for a few moments, and then we'll have time for a few questions. We have a few minutes. There's a microphone here that I believe gets passed around. If anybody has questions or comments tonight about what we talked about. So um, I was reminded when you read the book title about productivity and inner peace, um, I uh, teach yoga nidra, which is a deep relaxation, which I've done for years. And I'm thinking of a, this was several years ago, but there was a student who came and took the class, deep relaxation, and then a couple weeks later came back and said, oh my gosh, that was so amazing, that deep relaxation. It just stayed with me for many days, and I got so much done. <laughs> oh, you know, what a interesting, you know, just um, benefit of it, you know. And I thought, making a new poster, you know, practice yoga nidra, get things done, <laughs> you know. Um, but it was so authentic in a way that, you know, when we talk about the line and this, like, get things done, product it, you know, that... I can feel that, and yet at the same time, there's some things I'm not getting done. You know that I, I don't know. I it was. I'm sure that maybe there were things she was so glad to get this done that there were things that she was you know putting off, and 
she finally just had this space maybe to really do those things and um, I don't know it just got me thinking about the productivity part of it and because even I know in my own home life like there's some things I really should be getting done and I feel like I'm stuck in those those areas um, I don't know that it's not so much like you know this this idea of like gotta get done get it done but what is it you know just being really specific about what it what are we getting done and what are the things we're avoiding mm-hmm. well what first thing i hear is like this woman's experience is like a koan to you kind of a riddle you're like right it's like got something stirring in you and you're trying to understand it um I think, to me, in some ways, it's not even about getting things done. It's about how we do them, right? So we can, Thich Nhat Hanh used to say, don't wash the dishes to get the dishes done. Wash the dishes to wash the dishes. So we can wash the dishes with the idea of getting the dishes done, and we, we miss washing the dishes. So we miss that kind of circle energy and presence, right, because of the line energy. But we can wash the dishes to actually wash the dishes, to be there. And it still gets done. It might even get done better. <laughs> you know, as an example, perhaps, of your yoga student. So a lot of it's attitude, right, I think. I, I, I can see I'm missing exactly. I mean, there's more, right, for you. Like yeah, that, well, but and I, I think, too, when you were bringing up just the whole... Like just um, the concept of time, you know, just your mm. whole talk is just like, yeah, yeah, just I ha- we're just strangled by time. Yeah. But again, I think it's the attitude. I have a, a Dharma teacher friend who does so much, like he's so busy, and it wouldn't work for me. But I, I said to him the other day, I'm like, how do you do that? And he says, he says, if I think about what I have to get done, then I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So for him, it's, 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 he does it more with that circle energy than that line energy, right? So again, it's, I think we, we have to watch. We're so ingrained in line energy. So, so even the way you're asking is from line energy, right? And it's like there's a different energy. We still do things. We can't walk around aimlessly like Tignanon said too much, you know. We do have things we got to get done. But, um, but how do we do them? Is the energy like that or is the energy like this? Yeah. yeah. I associate content a lot, the content of language and the content of what we're describing is a more line way of being in that the underlying landscape uh, is a little more yin. Um, and I, I work with the dying, and there was an article, I think it was in the New Yorker, about how if you work in hospice, you should really be a bumbler. So you walk into the room and you're like, oh, right, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, we need a basin. 
you know, so that uh, that there just wasn't very much energy of doing anything because there's nowhere to go except deeper. And you're either going to go there deeper or you're going to miss it. So um, I've become, I think I do have a lot of yang energy, but I've become a real uh, champion of yin energy. And uh, there was a gentleman that came here to speak to us. I Maybe it was Chaz, I think it was, where he talked about that we cannot solve the world problems without, without a, a mind shift to yin, to the feminine receptivity. Otherwise, we just can't hear each other. And just a quick comment, following up on Nancy's comment, um, maybe the the person just your student just um, noticed everything they were doing and appreciated it. I mean, I just I, that just reminded me of of uh, like sometimes I'll just depending on my attitude, which of the line or circle is present here in a day of work here at Common Ground. I get so much done, but some days I'm just thinking of everything else I have to get done. And some days, you know, when I'm more centered, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, it's amazing how much I get done. And, uh, and I'm really appreciating it for the relationships and, and just, yeah, and it's so much more real than that to-do list. Yeah, so that's just a quick add-on to that. I'm wondering about the relationship between, um, yes, we have things we have to do, right? And holding this high value on getting things done. Because I think we as a culture hold a very high value on getting things done and we forget that there may be other reasons to live <laughs> or that there might be other ways that we all that we orient towards life than getting things done while acknowledging that we do have things to do and you know I'm not going to pretend that's not true I know if over the last years I've seen myself dare to have dare to live like getting things done isn't the most important thing. <laughs> it actually takes courage for many of us, not all of us maybe, but for many of us to make that shift because getting things done proves that we're worthy of existence. And so perhaps we're worthy of existence without getting things done. <laughs> that we're worthy anyway. And acknowledging that depending on how your life is, if you have young kids, you're going to be busy. <laughs> There's no way you're not going to be busy. Of course, young kids are great circle energy. They know how to, right? Like, oh, you better be here. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. coming from a place of a lot of line energy, can you talk about 
how you start to see those initial cracks because I, I identify a lot with if I didn't do things, what purpose would I serve? Um, and I'm very new in my practice and still coming very much from that, that place of I, I have a hard time conceptualizing of my life without a to-do list, without two and five and ten year plans. How do you start to crack out of that a little bit so that you can then work with with seeing those pieces of circle energy in your life? Well, I think you're starting because we start by seeing what we're doing and then we can start by feeling how that feels to you to live like that and is that satisfying to you, right? And I'm hearing you say not entirely, (laughs) right? So you have to under you have to know within yourself that that's unsatisfying and you have to feel that cuz otherwise it's just somebody telling you something or some or adopting some new belief that you think you should have right so it's like you, so you're doing great this is your actual your practice right so you're getting here you're sitting down and you're starting to see um the energy with which you're living and you're starting to see that that energy is um it's getting in the way of something else that you want, and you're not even totally sure yet maybe what that is. But there's something else that you're wanting besides for that energy. Does that sound right? Yeah. So, what next is your question, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but I know it takes daring. It takes some courage and daring to do something different. So it might mean that some Saturday you do not have a to-do list. No, really, just play with that. Like, what's it like to have an aimless Saturday? Or, you know, so you, 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 but a lot of times it's doing something. Like, I was forced by my teacher. Otherwise, I never would have never would have changed <laughs> but something maybe will force you to change work in hospice <laughs> um, but but you know it's like you're, you're on your way and I can't tell you what the next step is but you're on your way yeah by asking these questions yeah you'll you'll get more hints I just don't have them right now <laughs> yes Maybe um, this will be our last one because it's almost cool. nine. Rebecca, I just wanted to say, first of all, that I can um, very much relate to your experience um, when you went to Nicaragua. And it's um, it's really similar, actually. So I, uh, I studied abroad in Costa Rica for a semester in college. And I went, like, way out to a really small town where it was, like, uh, probably, like, 500 people in this town. I lived on a farm. Um, and uh, I had been having, like, such a... Um, well, I had a very, uh, very line energy filled semester. Let's put it that way before I went to Costa Rica. And when I got there, it was like circle, 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 circle. And that just, it was like, I, a lot of the people on my program were like, what, you know, this is so weird. I don't like this. But for me, it almost like, it felt like the natural, like move kind of. And I just like sort of went way into that state. And then 
the hard part for me was when I came back to the U.S. Um, readjusting. Um, and I guess um, you were just talking about like what happens when you um, uh, when you go beyond like getting stuff done as your purpose. And to me, it's sort of like um, one thing I am aware of when I'm around a lot of people with a lot of circle energy is just like. I don't know, like laughter feels like a purpose in its own right. It's just like a, it's like a massage for the nerves kind of. So, um, I, that's, I don't know. I, I don't know if you have any comments on that, but that's sort of where I start to think about it. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think of circle energy as a massage for the nerves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it really is, because lion energy is activation, sympathetic nervous system. Circle energy is parasympathetic nervous system, you know, more relaxed. We need both. If we're only, like, all parasympathetic nervous system, you know. But but most of us, this culture is so stimulated, you know, and, and it's like most of us need... This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.